Hey there, we're the Westlap Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Oh Well, guys, uh, we are in the midst of our uh, bar trivia challenge. Um, it's got a bunch of respondents so far. I hope everyone's been, had a chance to go to our website, westlotpirates.com, where we've had, um, like I say, some really, really great interactions, some great guesses. Uh, we're going to tonight go through the first couple of days. Are, are we doing day three tonight as well? I think so. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. so day, days one, two, and three. Yeah. Days one through three. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and reveal the answers. Uh, so you can play along at home. Um, and then we'll come back either probably next week with the, the rest of the answers for the rest of the challenge. So, uh, just a little bit of fun. I, I know I've had a lot of fun reading all of the responses. Um, this has been awesome. Like a is, it was fun to like come up with these questions and John, you did the lion's share of that, but like the engagement that we've gotten and, and like, we've got, we've got some people that have joined up in, in teams. Um, a lot of strong representation from, from, uh, Northwestern media, like, like student media, uh, or former student media. And then, um, we got some people that are just playing solo and it's, yeah, it's awesome. This is, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, let's go through the day one uh, questions and answers. Um, so we start with question one, uh, talking about the 2010 Wrigley Field game. Uh, a single touchdown was scored in the east end zone. As as we all know, the end zones were, or the dimensions were such that it was not safe to be playing both ways. So playing in the one direction. and um, But one touchdown was scored in the end zone that wasn't being used. Uh, what quarter was it scored? Who threw the pass and who caught that pass? So this one was interesting. Um, John, you want to walk us through this? Sure. So it's funny, obviously, you know, and, and everyone, just about everyone picked up on this. The only way someone was going to score in the East End zone was on a fumble or an interception or, or a return for a touchdown or a punt return. And Venrick got pretty close in that game to doing just that. But um, because of that, as just about everyone surmised, it was Illinois throwing a pick six. Just about everybody got that Brian Peters was the one who returned the interception to the touchdown uh, into the East End Zone. Um, everywhere else is kind of where it, it got up and down. People got pieces of it. Very few people got every piece. Um, but I, I admit, even in my own head, I had the memory incorrect. I knew it was kind of a gadget play. In my head, it was a flea flicker. Um, kind of off a reverse pass that had gone horribly wrong. So I had Nathan Shieldhouse throwing the pick six. Um, in fact, it was not Shieldhouse. It was a wide receiver. It, Eddie Backup McGee. quarterback who had lined up as wide receiver to run the gadget play. I believe it was Shieldhouse right. tossing to McGee who threw deep. Peters picked it off and went the other way. Really, it was, yeah, Shieldhouse tossing to McGee who tossed it about the same distance to Brian Peters. Uh, it was not the prettiest throw ever. Yeah. And, and Peters took it back to the house. Well, so well, the, the, great... the absolute best part of this play and this memory is, was not part of the question. And that's that upon getting into the end zone, Peters ran, ran to the padded wall and jumped up into it. <laughs> right. It was, it was great because it happened so early in the game, um, that, 
this whole thing that everyone had been holding their breath over, you know, someone scored well, you know, not even into the second quarter um, and kind of put all those fears to rest. A couple, you know, interesting responses. Um, we gave partial credit to someone who accidentally said that Brian Peters had thrown the interception to McGee <laughs> uh, because we figured that they, you know, clearly meant to answer the question correctly. Um, or, or, uh, or maybe, and, maybe they were thinking of Jared McGee and just got tripped up. There you go. Hey, Jared McGee will take, will take a ball back to the house. We know that. Um, and my personal favorite was someone who ascribed a non-existent pick six to Evan Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> As we all do in our dreams. Yeah. It was just probably like Watkins probably threw a pick six in that game. He did throw an interception in that game, but. We, we thought that was funny, but uh, but great job to everyone overall on that question. All right, on to question number two. Uh, name two players who wore number one at Northwestern before the number was established as a player reward. Uh, as we know, the number one was, is given to the player who most uh, lives up to the Wildcat way, started with Bo Sizek. Um, I think a majority of the people got Stefan Demos as uh, Demos wore number one for the four years prior to it going into the the rotation there. Um, John, that, that I, I'm going to call you out a little bit as, as, as the quiz master here. Um, you know, maybe next time we do this, let's, let's come up with questions that we know all the answers to uh, before. <laughs> well, so, so here's one of the big takeaways from this one, right? The one thing everybody seems to know is who wore number one at the time they were at Northwestern. But if you didn't go to Northwestern at that time period, and this is what Sam is alluding to, post let's pre let's say two thousand five ish, it becomes very difficult to verify <laughs> <laughs> who wore number one on what team. Um, so based on you know frequency of responses, people Larry Guest being one that came up a couple R- of Richard times. Richard Buchanan is another one. Richard Buchanan that came up another one, and then. Chris Gamble, and I give credit to Sam because let, let's put it this way. Sam's absolutely right that I, that I probably put us in a situation. That is not to say we didn't try our darndest to verify these. And unbelievable pull by Sammy, who found a highlight video uh, from the early 90s that in a brief split second verified that Chris Gamble... Um, who would subsequently be a part of the gambling scandal at Northwestern uh, did indeed wear the number one. That was part of the problem because any searches that you did for Chris Gamble and Jersey number or, or history or whatever, all you get were either Chris Gamble who played on Ohio state and then went on to, um, to play for the Carolina Panthers or Chris Gamble, Northwestern gambling scandal. Nothing about him as a football player. <laughs> So I, I got to give all all the credit to uh, our good friend John Davis, uh, formerly ran NU Highlights. I did a Google search for 1994 highlights, and he had a video up on his website. I'm sure he's probably forgotten about it, but he had he had a highlight reel. So I was able to just scan through that, and there was a shot of Chris Gamble uh, taking a long touchdown to the house, and you know, number one Gamble, there it is. Yeah, I th- so the other name that that um, I think we were thinking of from Fitz era would have been Jonathan Fields, uh, who wore number one as a wideout. Yes, um, the one other thing. This is a funny thing that that kind of came up. 
one respondent to the quiz um, came up with, I believe, Demos, and then added a player who wore number one for the University of, I believe it's called the University of Northwestern. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, where is it? Is it St. Paul, Minnesota? Yeah. It's, it's thereabouts. Um, it's Bible we, College, we, I believe. Right. We want to know the story behind that. So if you're the whoever, you know, you're the one who sent that, we've got to know, like, is it a joke? Do you like happen to be from, you know, like Scuzz from the Minneapolis St. Paul area um, and, and, you know, just did it for fun. So we would love to know the answer to that question. But, yeah, that one ended up being a little bit more work than anticipated, but was a great one. Uh, question number three, name two sports media personalities who were either Willie the Wildcat or a Northwestern cheerleader. Um, Craig Sager, obviously, uh, you know, as we remember from his passing not too long ago, uh, was def- he was Willie. And then just a couple episodes ago, we had Kaylin Kaler on, a former Northwestern cheerleader. Uh, who at the time was working for Sports Illustrated. Um, gotta give her shout outs, uh, with everything that happened. Um, guess Sports Illustrated let her go, but she's gonna land up on her feet. Uh, she's a fantastic writer and I know she's gonna get on somewhere else and, and do great things. Active debate as to whether we should offer a bonus point to those who referenced, uh, her recent appearance on our, on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's funny you know people take a lot of shots in the dark a lot of of course northwestern has no shortage of famous sports media personalities so a lot of people were just kind of taking flyers thinking that maybe one of them also happened to be willie or a cheerleader um we had a george steinbrenner vote um which uh i would say george stretches the stretches us uh beyond the breaking point of sports media personality but that was still a, a good entry. Uh, and then our photo question. Um, I think pretty much everyone got this one. It was, uh, you know, obviously the Ohio State game. Um, Noah Heron, you know, scoring the touchdown. First time beating Ohio State in 33 years. It was the, the 33, the, the magical three game. I, I, so I will mention, um, and I, I, I was effectively quiz master on, on coming with the photo component of our, of our quiz, but, um, each one of these photos, uh, we're only asking for the name, player, and and, and opponent. But um, each of these photos is tied to a iconic, really an iconic play in um, in the annals of Northwestern lore. So um, that's you know maybe a bit of a hint for for future weeks. But uh, yeah, because the the difficulty is about to rise on a couple yeah. of those, so that that'll be useful. Yeah, they get a little <laughs> trickier. Um, but yeah, like like that's you know hair and finger pointed in the air going into the end zone. Um, which uh, everyone uh, everyone picked up on that. So um, good work, y'all. That's uh, certainly a, a, a happy memory in, in my mind. Nuge! <laughs> <laughs> we should also mention, too, that um, for there was a two-point bonus for anyone who cl- had a clean sweep of the category on day one. A couple people came really close, but no one uh, got the clean sweep. Uh, on to day two, um, you know, question number one, name the th- members of the three quarterback rotation that Northwestern used to begin the 2002 season. Uh, kind of, kind of in the way back machine. Oh, 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 this took, oh this took some people to it, took some people to a dark place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, so there was a member of this rotation, of course, that just about everybody got Brett Bazinet. 
Uh, and this was right at the beginning of the Baz era when Northwestern was still very much trying to figure out who was going to be the starter. Um, and the other two guys in that rotation were Tony Staus and Alexander Webb. And at the beginning of the season, um, they were, everyone was playing and everyone was getting banged up. And I think people forget about that, but it, you know, through like game three of that season, Staus was about the only healthy guy and, uh, things were still very much unsettled. It's funny to look back and think of how illustrious a career Baz had and then, you know, go all the way back to a point where, you know, that quarterback competition was still very much unsettled between those three and guys. It's interesting so to juxtapose that I... against this year's uh, quarterback. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> that's that's right. There's light at the end of the tunnel is what we're saying. <laughs> what I remember from that year was that there was a game where all three guys played, and it was the game – it was the – it was I, – I, I believe it was the first home game against TCU. It might have been the following week against Duke, but um, I want to say that Baz started – because let's, I mean, like, like you you go back to the way to the way that season began. I mean, we got we got destroyed at at Air Force week one of the year, um, and then came home to get hammered by TCU, won against Duke the following week. But but I I, I believe in that TCU game. Um, I don't know I don't know who started if it was Baz or Staus, but then the other came in to back them up. Was not doing well. Got pulled for Andrew Webb, who. Immediately completed Alexander Webb. Alexander yeah. Webb, yes, who immediately completed like two passes or went for a run or something, like looked really awesome and then got his, his uh liver lacerated or his spleen lacerated. Yeah, I thought he like ruptured his spleen or something. Yes, um and got carted off the field to to rock his chance from the student section and, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was TCU because I don't think like like the band we weren't in um we weren't uh in full in full get up yet. Um I'm 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 pretty confident. So a- anyways, like, like we, like that question could have, I believe referred to a single game, not just the beginning of that season. Right. God, that was a yeah, rough, that was a rough year as I'm, as yeah. I'm looking at the, at the rundown. <laughs> uh, moving on to question number two, what was unusual about the ending of the 1996 Northwestern Michigan game and what caused this occurrence? Uh, Northwestern one is not an acceptable answer. Jokers. Um, I think a lot of people got parts of this and a bunch of people got, got the whole thing. Uh, this was, uh, in the fourth quarter, cats were down 16, nothing, and then uh, mounted the comeback. Um, it was late in the game. I think six seconds left or my, six or eight seconds left. Brian Goins is lining up for a 39 yard game winning field goal into the wind. And, yeah. um, kick is up. Kick is good. But something something happened, and it, the the refs said nope, nope, didn't happen, didn't happen. I think a lot of people thought that Michigan had called a timeout at that point. Uh, that wasn't the case. It was the refs who actually screwed us. The refs said they had not marked the, marked the ball ready to play, so Goins had to line it up, kick it again, nails it again. Cats beat Michigan. So I think we accepted anything around you know not ready for play, obviously. Um, errant whistle from the refs, uh, mess up from the refs. Uh, if, if you cited timeout, that was, um, that was an incorrect answer. Cause there was not a, it was not a timeout by either Northwestern or Michigan. Right. There was, this one was definitely one that 
maybe favored a couple of the older alumni, but I mean, this is part of the reason we're doing this. This is part of the reason trivia like this is great is it, it takes you back to great moments and some of the, the moments that at least to, to some group of Northwestern fans might be lost or, you know, might, people might need to be educated on. So it's one of the reasons that this has been a, a lot of fun was to just go down memory lane on some of this stuff. Yeah. I, I remember that game very, very well. That was my first game uh, in the marching band. So that was, yeah, as, as a freshman. So that was, that was awesome. Uh, question number three. This was a toughie. Um, Cam Green won Illinois state championships in both football and basketball as a senior at Adelaide Stevenson High School. Name Cam's high school quarterback and high school point guard on those two teams. So, so it's important to note here that, uh, John, you is, is inexorably connected to the Stevenson community. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, you know what's and you know what's funny about this, and Scuzz is alluding to the fact that my wife teaches at Stevenson. Um, but what we found out as an extension is there's a fair amount of Stevenson blood running through this quiz. Also, yeah, at least two or three alums. Uh, yeah, Stevenson has sent no no shortage of people, and those people um, obviously had a little bit of a leg up. With that said, I think the thing, and and you noticed this right away, Scuzz was. It was somewhat surprising which of the two a ton of people were getting um, because the, the short of it is Cam's high school quarterback was Willie Bourbon, who played four years of distinguished baseball at Northwestern. Um, I mean, obviously, Northwestern's baseball team is not a you know powerhouse baseball team, but Willie Bourbon was certainly, especially as an upperclassman, one of the better offensive players on the baseball team. And he was Cam's high school quarterback. The one that everybody, not everybody, but a lot more people got was Cam's high school point guard. And I suppose that makes a lot of sense because Jalen Brunson, at the end of the day, may be the most distinguished athlete to go through Stevenson High School. Um, he, um, you know, led that team to a state championship and then won two national championships at uh, Villanova, is in the NBA now. He may have won a Wooden Award. I'm not sure about that. But, I mean, obviously an unbelievably decorated basketball player. So, um, heck, of a, heck of a pair of guys to have uh, throwing you the ball on the football field and the basketball court uh, if you're Cam Green. Heck of a guy to be throwing to. Yeah, seriously, right? Well. Amen. Amen. Um, and then the, the, the picture, yeah. of course— uh, Sam Simmons looking back at the end zone as he runs towards the tunnel in the Metrodome uh, in the year 2000 after catching victory right. Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. And then uh, day three, today's questions. Um, you know, there's still a few uh, responses trickling in as we're recording this. So, um, but you know, it's, this post isn't, this pod isn't going to drop until either late tonight or tomorrow morning. So. I'm not worried about people listening to us to get the answers. Um, all right. So question number one, what football position did Ian Park's brother Alex play? And for what two colleges did he play at? Uh, one of the schools is perennially ranked with or around Northwestern in the U.S. News rankings. Deep cut, John. Deep this cut. One, yeah. There, so there's a big deep cut on day three, and then there will be another big deep cut on day four. These ones are ones where it, it's just there's a good chance everyone's not going to know this. Um, I think only one person thus far has answered the entire question correctly. But with the hint, um, 
there's a good chance people can get a piece of it. And it's just a great bit of trivia. Um, and you can see uh, from a lot of the guesses that a lot of people made the sensible um, prediction that Ian Park's brother Alex, not unlike, let's say, the Miller brothers, would have played a similar position, either on the offensive line or interior defensive line. Nope. Alex Park was a quarterback. Um, pretty amazing family when you think about it, uh, that you have two guys, very different types of football player, um, who were successful at a high level. Ian was successful at the higher level, but Alex was a, Rivals had him as a two-star recruit coming out of Pennsylvania. He initially signed with UNH, a team that in the FCF ranks is, you know, historically, you know, has got a lot of loaded people. I mean, we know, um, Jerry Azuma of, you know, of Chicago Bears fame, notably played for UNH. But of course, UNH is most noted, I would say, for coaches. Uh, Chip Kelly went through there. And of course, Ryan Day uh, was a quarterback for Chip Kelly at UNH. So, um, but in any case, Alex initially went to UNH to play quarterback, but then transferred and spent the majority of his high school, of his college career at the Hint School, which is Dartmouth College. And he was a quarterback there, um, actually part of a quarterback rotation uh, for about three years um, that was very much, he was, you could say, the Trevor Simeon uh, in a Trevor Simeon, Kane Coulter type quarterback rotation for a very good football team at Dartmouth. So again, expected not a lot of people to know that, but it's just pretty neat. Like Ian Park, road grading offensive lineman. Um, had a brother who was a high-level FCS quarterback. Pretty interesting. Uh, question number two. Uh, mm-hmm. Accurately describe the signature post-sack dances uh, or moves of two current or former NFL defensive linemen who played college at NU. This one was pretty great because a couple of people remembered ones that we had actually forgotten. Um, and subsequent to um, researching a wrong answer we even turned up <laughs> we even turned up another great one that we had forgotten about as well um northwestern defensive linemen have brought some moves to the nfl um the big one i'll let you take the the big one scuzz because it's near and dear to your heart skull vikings it's a fadi denebo every time he knocks down a qb he draws a sword um I guess it's an homage to Game of Thrones he did it at northwestern as well you saw joe gaziano honor him um with that same sword draw when he when he broke Ifadi's record uh, for career sacks at Northwestern, so um, uh, so yeah, that's that that's that's the big one. My other my other favorite, if I might just jump to the um, uh, jump into the others. Uh, so so Corey Wooten and the robot dance, um, which I was I was not familiar with, but John, you 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 know the origins of this apparently. Uh, so apparently it dates to the robot routine from a specific episode of the Chappelle show. Um, and he, and multiple people brought this up and it absolutely checks out. He totally did do this and there's video of it online. And it's, it's funny cause it's a great one. And it's one that, um, I was not thinking of when I did this question. And ironically, as of, you know, fairly late in the evening, uh, when, um, Tuesday night when we're recording this, um, no one has done the other one that I was thinking of when I did this question, which was Barry Colfield. Now that goes a little bit farther back, but it was an awesome dance. 
every time he got a sack, he would tase himself with a taser with a ma- when he would stare down at it and then poke it into himself and start vibrating like he'd been tased. Um, it's absolutely fantastic and will live forever. And I encourage everyone to check it out. But uh, and then and then the one other one that that we kind of discovered that I don't think anyone has correctly done either was uh, Luis Castillo w- w- doing a salsa dance after getting a sack also. We, um, so. we did get a submission of Luis Castillo uh, doing a, uh, an, a lasso, which, which is not accurate, but he did do a salsa dance, and, the, and I watched a video of it earlier tonight. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Uh, we are going to give credit um, to, uh, to, to, <laughs> uh, to one, one um, response that um, – is easily my favorite answer to any question that we've that we've posed thus far, and that is that Dean Lowry stoically returns to the defensive huddle to celebrate with teammates, <laughs> which is both accurate and I mean, like, how can you argue with that? That's fantastic. Look, I mean, we don't know for sure that that's not an elaborately choreographed routine. <laughs> it would be in character. It would be very in character for him. <laughs> Uh, question number three. In 2005, Northwestern ran for one touchdown and threw for another in the final two minutes and ten seconds to shock Iowa, who ran for the first touchdown and who caught the second one. I feel like people, a lot of people got this. This one was, a couple of the answers, honestly, on this one made me pretty jealous because at the time of this game, I watched this game on a TV in my friend's house in North Carolina when I wanted to be anywhere but in North Carolina and as close to this game as I possibly could be. And a ton of people were like, I'll never forget this. I was in the stands for this game. I remember every second of it. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, what, I, what I wouldn't have given to, to be there on this one. Yeah, so it was um, it was Ty, Tyrell Sutton running one in and then Ross Lane catching, I believe, the game winner. Um, but I just, like... This this is much like those others who were who were at who were at the game. This is one of the most memorable games to me outside of kind of the big seasons, if you will. Um, in particular, because uh, Baz was just surgical in in what he did to Iowa in 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 a little more than three minutes. I think he had three minutes and twenty seconds um, for two touchdown drives and. It was a game where, you know, this was back, Sammy, when you and I used to sit up in the upper deck. Yeah. And I am I'm quite certain that I had um I managed to retain my 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 strong buzz. In fact I think it it got even stronger throughout the game. Um and I think I descended to the young alumni uh, area near the student section as the game was was, was winding down just because, you know, we all thought this was gonna be a loss and then um the, the the comeback ensued and uh man it was yeah it was it was spectacular and you know it just tastes sweeter when it's Iowa absolutely and then uh the the video question was it was interesting I think it tripped a few people up it it did and so um the 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 moment here is uh Clayton Thorson's you know 46 yard touchdown run against Stanford to upset the Cardinal um in a shocking result, right in the opening uh, opening game of 2015, and Stanford's only lost uh, that season. Yeah, yep. Um, his his first game as a Wildcat. It's it's crazy. I, I'll ne- I'll never forget um, one of his first three passes. He threw directly at the middle linebacker 
for Stanford, but he also threw it so hard that the the linebacker had no chance to react and it just ricocheted off his helmet harmlessly. Um, but yeah, that was that was it was an interesting ride that game. But um, a couple of people to get tripped up by the white uniform with just a hint of red showing. We got a couple Indiana guesses. And then um, somebody commented that if, <laughs> if we, that that they thought it was Illinois State, and that choosing a moment from Illinois State just makes us mean. <laughs> Why would we? I'm sure you we wouldn't this, do that <laughs> in the middle of this quarantine. If you think we were going to bring up an Illinois State highlight, my God, <laughs> what kind of monsters do you think we are? Yeah. So uh, one 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 thing we forgot is that. Um, you know, John mentioned the bonus in round one. This this bonus has been true for for each of the three days. There's only one team or one individual that has that has achieved the bonus, and that was the Westlot Warriors uh, tailgate aficionados uh, in the Westlot who um, who aced uh, day two's quiz. So um, so congrats to them. They got a, they got a two point bonus, and they're they're sitting up there at the at the top of the heap right now uh, with with a couple other folks um, right around them. So yeah, that that's kind of where we are in the uh, in our pub trivia challenge. Um, we got more trivia to come. Uh, at, you know, on our website westlawpirates.com, we're tweeting about it. Um, but yeah, this is just a a little check in from us to let let y'all know how you were doing, let y'all know what the right answers were, and maybe start to get a little bit of our psychology in putting these questions together. Um, <laughs> and and let me just add too. If you're farther down the leaderboard right now, and the leaderboard is, you know, starting today is posted every day on the website, the points are going to start to go up in subsequent days. Um, uh, not at a like ESPN tournament bracket challenge level where they double every round. It's not going to be quite that much, but they are going to increase. So they're, are certainly going to be some swings as rounds progress. So if you're a little bit farther down, one big round in one of these subsequent rounds, and you'd be right back near the top. Well, and we'll just reiterate, you know, please, please don't cheat. Um, please don't use Google to to search some of this stuff out. Some of it's pretty hard to find in Google, frankly, <laughs> especially jersey numbers as we uh, as we found ourselves. But um, uh, but I, you know, I've, like obviously we're just doing this for fun and for for shits and giggles here while we're all locked up. Um, but you know. Jeopardy style. If you want, you know, you've seen you've seen how our how our twisted minds work now for for three days of this, and you know nothing nothing wrong with studying ahead of time, like digging in deep on uh, on on squads <laughs> from the last twenty years, and you know weird oddities that popped up or or, or big moments or whatever. So um, you know, I guess best of luck as as everyone continues on, and you know, feel free to to spread the word if others want to jump in and, and engage with this um, as we go. Uh, yeah, good times. So, yeah, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Um, once again, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where we have all of the trivia questions posted. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlotpirates. And you can email us, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the Westlot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skazbar and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.